On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are talking about the HBO documentary, The Scheme. At long last date, it finally happened. We wanted the tapes released. HBO said, here are the tapes. The tapes have been released. Yeah, this is the playbook. This has been a two-year process. This has been, uh, we remember the FBI doing the, the full, you know, this is what the world we're living in is. This is college basketball. This is the underbelly. We're going to get the bad guys. And it turned into an HBO doc. So I guess they got him. I don't know. Uh, it was basically like the life story of Christian Dawkins more so yes. than this is the playbook. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, we, we at least got some tapes. We got Sean Miller. Uh, we got Will Wade. Um, we also... We got to talk about Jeff D'Angelo, and I know we will. I know we'll find a way to talk about Jeff D'Angelo, but uh, not a great look for Jeff D'Angelo. And and it hurts me to say that because I was a big Jeff D'Angelo fan. I'm selling all my Jeff D'Angelo stock after this thing. But, uh, yeah, th- that's on the docket for today is uh, there's not a lot going on. Obviously, there's not a ton of content to, out there. But thank the, the heavens above. HBO has delivered us the tapes at long last. So we're going to break it all down. But first, Woody Durham. All right, it is Thursday evening. Uh, we are doing another podcast. We just got done watching the scheme. I think we both, Tate, correct me if I'm wrong, you and I both waited to to watch it. We did not watch it live as it was happening. I just got done watching it um, because I wanted it to be fresh in my brain when we recorded the pod. You did the same thing? Yes, and uh, it wasn't because you know of procrastination. It was more for the fact that a lot of times with these things, like when we have big moments or big drops or big games or anything in the world of college basketball, I like it to be fresh. This is why mm-hmm. you and I, we are fans of March Madness, just for the fact that we can watch a game and then immediately talk about it. Because right. for whatever reason, my brain works better that way. So this was a big release for us. For people that don't know, this is basically what we founded like being the bad guys on. You know what I mean? This was like this case, this game plan, or this playbook, as the FBI pointed out. This was what we live for. Well, I want to start like big picture uh, saying, you, you say this is what we live for. Um, big picture thoughts on the doc are that uh, I, I thought it was really well made in, in the sense that, uh, you know, the, the cinematography was cool. Like they, they got Christian Dawkins to recreate literally every step of this whole thing. He's like walking onto a yacht and they're filming it. Um, and then the, the graphics, my favorite, my favorite little touch was every time Christian Dawkins was explaining who a guy was and then the graphics would put up like, uh, what was the best example? It said, uh, uh, he was talking about Andy Miller and he's like, he's definitely signed a bunch of top 10 guys. And it said like Andy Miller agent definitely signed a bunch of top 10 guys. And it was whatever Christian Dawkins would say, they'd put it on the screen as though it's like an official identity. Uh, Stuff like that made it, made it good touches, all that sort of thing. But I couldn't help but think like if, if it wasn't, if, if someone not of our ilk, which is to say someone who is like very, very close to the bag dropping going on in the world, very, very, plugged into the uh the all the the inner workings of this whole story um if you were not someone of like us i don't really think you would have found this that interesting mm-hmm. i don't know maybe you can you maybe you disagree but like i i we we are very invested in this but i, I felt like if i told my mom to watch it she'd be like oh, i'm confused what was this who why do i care about any of this um so in that regard it was kind of not exactly what i expected because i i thought i was sold that this was going to be a documentary like it's called the scheme. I thought we were going to see the scheme. And instead it was like, basically I I'm Christian Dawkins. I'm not a bad guy. Like you think I am. And also the FBI is more incompetent than you could possibly believe. And that was the takeaway. And then, Oh, by the way, we'll sprinkle like a couple wiretaps with Sean Miller and we'll wait at the end and then get the hell out of here. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about because the first we, we talked about the uh, Matt Norlander, right? He, he had like done like a, a recap and the headlines were basically like Will Wade's on the phone, Shaw Miller's on the phone. We both read that, see that, you know, that's the headline going into it. And even, like I said, my parents had watched it and they're like, oh, this is the, the, these, these wiretaps, man. This is crazy. So when I started the documentary, I didn't even think I would see much of Christian Dawkins, really. I thought it was going to just going to be here's, you know, the format, like you said, that Christian set up. Here's, here are the players involved. And here are the tapes. Like we were just going to yeah. throw the tapes in your face. You're going to lose your mind. You're going to go crazy. And what they actually did was, uh, this is a classic journalism move. This is a, a big J move. They took the point of the pyramid. They made it Christian Dawkins. They made you understand where he was coming from. They made you understand Saginaw, Michigan. They made you, you know, kind of endear yourself to the to the Dawkins family. You learn about his brother, Dorian. 
You learn about the tragedy there. You learn that he's just kind of like a Doogie Hauser type guy that was just, you know, boots on the ground looking at his dad in high school basketball and saying, this is all corrupt, but I'm going to play the game. Yeah. And to me, that is more interesting than the what I thought it was, which is a salacious, you know, press play on the tapes and let's see what happens. Instead, we get the real peel back of, Christian Dawkins is just a, a a guy in a world that's already corrupt. He says it on the show. He's like, if you think I invented this, this has been going on for 100 years. And if anything, this doc teaches us that everything that the FBI, FBI thought was going on is so wrong and so backwards from mm-hmm. what they want it to be, which is like, this idea that these coaches are all like in on it and they're, and they're going to like, you know, convince these kids to sign with Andy Miller or sign with CAA or sign with one of these agencies. When in reality, Christian Dawkins said it, he's like, why would these coaches be wanting to get rid of players unless they're Kentucky? You know, that's the only school that's like, I got five guys coming in, so I need five guys to leave, but everybody else is like, stay on campus. Yeah. It's just amazing. It was, it was, um, yeah, th- that was, that was my, my, I had two big takeaways. Uh, the first one is Christian Dawkins. I was very, very wrong about who this guy was and mm-hmm. I don't know who to blame. Maybe I should blame myself, but, um, that doesn't feel right. I blame the journalist. I blame the people covering the story. I blame just whatever, but I was led to believe that Christian Dawkins was basically a dipshit Tate. Like mm-hmm. that was, that was who I thought he was. It was just like some dipshit kid that just like got in over his head and, didn't have any idea what he was doing just Mm -hmm. like saw money and saw dollar signs and was like oh hell yeah I thought he was someone's cousin um and yeah he had like a family connection like to get his foot in the door with basketball but I I thought he was like gonna be the cousin of Draymond Green or something Mm -hmm. and and he's just some flunky kid that like is just tagging along and like gets caught up and stuff he had no business being a part of that was not the case. As you said, he was like Doogie Hauser, a bag, of bag <laughs> dropping. Like the man was like, like he, he says himself at a very early age, he realized, um, and, and he realized that he, he had a, a, a ceiling on his basketball career and he, he figured out a way to like pivot and use his access and his knowledge uh, in basketball, which is something I identify with, honestly, because like that's like kind of how I have this career now. It's like I was put in a similar, similar position where I was like, I suck at basketball, but – I'm in a good spot. How can I use this and leverage this and all that? He uh, he did that. He he did it well. He was he was he was more of a mover and shaker than I realized. And uh, and part of that might have been like we're we're seeing this documentary from his point of view. So um, you know there there was some discrepancy on what his role it was with Andy Miller. Like he kept saying I was an agent, and then they would show like the the uh, the the website, and they're scrolling through all the agents, and his name is not mentioned as an agent. But he's like, come on, bro. I was an agent. Uh, I wasn't just a runner. Um, so I don't, I don't know about all that. But like, just hearing him talk, he's much smarter than I thought he was. He's much um, more plugged in than I thought he was, and much more likable. He's hilarious. The guy's hilarious. Like he was the funniest part. Like if 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 this was me, if I was Christian Dawkins, and and this whole thing blows up, I'm the only like real like man that really sucks for that guy victim. Um, if I'm him, I would be just very, I would be on the verge of tears. Like if, if you made this document about it, I'd be like, someone believe me. Like, why does anybody listen? <laughs> I'd be like losing my mind. And this dude is just like annoyed. He's like, come on, man. Like, this is bullshit. You, you know it. And he, that, that was like his whole demeanor the whole time. I was dying, man. Like his, his whole attitude was so, so funny. Well, yeah, I was going to say the line that I wrote down in that same vein was, you know, he, he goes to his business meeting. This is later on the dock. And this is like he flies from Atlanta to New York. He's going to meet with Jeff D'Angelo, which we'll get into Jeff D'Angelo, the character, a little bit later here. But, you know, he goes into this meeting. He realizes, you know, Jill, the other lady, says, I'm an FBI agent. He's like laughing at her. He's like, okay, whatever you say. He thinks it's about Ubergate, which I love that he calls it Ubergate. Like, it, <laughs> like it's as if it's, you know, like Deflate Gate or like, you know, I, you know, just like one of these big things that everyone knows about. Uh, the FBI is like, we don't even know what that is. Yeah. Uh, we do have you I, here. I know, I know about the story and I still had to like look up what the story was. Like I knew it happened, but I forgot it happened. And in his mind, it's just like a one, one word Ubergate. Yeah. He's like, knows. he's like, and of course everyone knows about Ubergate, unfortunately. Like that's hanging over my head forever. Uh, and then anyways, so they're, they're basically given the option, like you can be an informant for us or you can lawyer up and, you know, good luck. He says like, I'm going to lawyer up. Um, the guns, you know, people like basically the ATF or someone storms the room, the FBI uh, officials with, with machine guns, he gets taken to some facility 
And in the facility, he's like, I mean, they take him to a holding cell. And, you know, he's like, there's a bunch of real criminals in here. I don't know where I am. And then he said his, his uh, cell, cellmates basically like El Chapo's upstairs. And then, <laughs> and then they cut to him and he goes, no disrespect to El Chapo and what they got going on. But I got to get up out of here. Yeah. Like, that was the best line. Like, no disrespect to El Chapo and what they got going on. But I got to get out of here. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's a, an insane mentality, like you said, to have when you know that. Like, what have you really done at that point? But you're yeah. in, a, in a holding cell where El Chapo is. He, he, I started writing down all the funny things he was saying. And then I stopped because I realized like there's too many, he, he was just going on and on. He's like, yeah, Marty, Marty Blazer stole millions of dollars from clients to make a movie or some shit like that. Mafia. Like, the name yeah. of the movie was mafia. And yeah. I mean like that, that's just says enough right there. Like this is uh remember when we first started this whole case, like there was uh, someone that came out, I can't remember who it was, maybe Merle code. And he said, I'm surprised there aren't more murders. Yeah, it was Merle Code. It was definitely Merle Code. Yeah. He's like, I'm surprised there aren't more murders. You're like, what are we talking about here? Like, what is this? And then this is I, it, I will it's say, mafia. He was talking about mafia. Yeah, I, I will say this. There was th this part of the documentary I did like, if, if we're talking like big picture, is that mm -hmm. it did a good job of making this seem like it's the most serious thing in the world. And mm -hmm. I love documentaries that do that where um, you get lost in the world. And, and you think the stakes couldn't possibly be any higher. And it's only until like after the documentary that you like take a deep breath and you realize none of this matters. You know, mm -hmm. like the best example to me is, have you seen Man on Wire? The guy yes. that, yeah. yeah. Man on Petit. Wire, one of my favorite documentaries ever. It feels like a bank heist. It feels like the, the fate of the universe rests <laughs> on like whether this guy's going to walk on a wire across one tower to the mm -hmm. other. Um, and then ultimately, like, like it's just this big thriller. And then you, you step away after you watch it and you're like, all of that was like, so a guy could walk, what, like a hundred feet across from one tower to another. Like what the hell? Mm -hmm. um, that's how I felt here was like, you're getting invested and they're playing wiretaps. And there's something about that too. There's something about like playing a recording of a phone call that just automatically makes whoever is talking sound guilty. Yes. And it like makes it so dramatic to hear mm -hmm. like the, the muffled noises of a phone mm -hmm. call. Mm -hmm. uh, so you start playing that and you're like, oh my God, is he going to pay him? Is he uh, da, da, like, oh, and then, and then we went on this yacht and this, and you're like, oh my God, what happened next? And then what happened next? And then it's only like after the fact that you realize that like, this is the dumbest, there's no victims. Mm -hmm. There's literally no victims in any mm -hmm. of this, which they kind of, you know, they explain. Um, the only guy that went down basically is Christian Dawkins. And for it, it's still unclear, like what exactly he went down for, except for mm -hmm. flying too close to the sun, which we can, we can talk about that. Cause that ties in with Jeff D'Angelo. We have to spend a lot of time on, Jeff <laughs> but to wrap this point up, um, you step away and you're like, this is the dumbest scandal of all time. This is, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And for some reason I was watching the documentary and I'm just like, okay, what happens next? Where, yeah, what happens? <laughs> but none of it matters. None of it honestly matters. None of it matters because, again, we kind of, I mean, we're close enough. One, I wanted to be in this doc, you know what I mean? Like, I really wish that we were the Dan Wetzel. Like, you know, Dan Wetzel's yeah. in there, and he's kind of like the, the journalist voice of reason. Or, like, I, I wish that we were just, like, the fans of college basketball. Or at least, just like, at least part of the show. montage. At least part of the <laughs> montage when they're going to the media things where it's like, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. showing Stephen A. Smith and, and all these guys that are cutting in that are just like, the FBI is cut. Mm -hmm. Like, and then one, one guy was like, this could be the biggest scandal we've ever seen. They should have cut to us and played a clip of the pod where I'm just like, oh my God, it's happening to you. <laughs> We're just laughing or reading the Yahoo report. It was like the Yahoo boys, they got him. The yeah. Yahoo boys are back. <laughs> yeah, I guess, he's, I, he's I, guess I, see why, I guess I see why we didn't make the doc. Never mind. I, yeah. uh, never mind. I'll take all that back. <laughs> when, when you and I are going back and forth saying, what an idiot. That one, <laughs> that one puppy did. <laughs> what an idiot. Both guys are sitting in the room, Jeff, Jeff D'Angelo and uh, Christian Dawkins, and they're both like, what an absolute idiot. And Jeff D'Angelo, yeah. what an idiot. That should have been on the dock. And then you then hear Kyle cackling in the background. <laughs> we were like, man, what is this? Uh, yeah, I, I honestly, like, to, uh, to, to take a step back on the whole thing, like, it was – it was not what we thought it was, right? Like, I mean, the fact that the FBI had that press conference now, looking back, like it, this, this to me, what the, what the documentary shows is, one, how far we are from understanding the reality of college athletics, like what is actually going on. Like the fact that they say we have your playbook and the playbook is completely wrong is, is really hilarious to me. You know what I mean? Like just to think <laughs> about the fact that like you have such bravado that you think that you like figured it out. And really the only thing you figured out was, 
Christian Dawkins in Louisville having a parent of, you know, Brian Bowen, who is in a, in a, in a, in a bad situation with money and financially needs help. Adidas couldn't get there quick enough, so he reaches out to this eccentric billionaire, millionaire, whatever he is, Jeff Jeff D'Angelo, to provide the cash. And and if anything, like if you pay taxes, like we pay taxes, everyone that we know, like you pay your taxes, like to think about the fact that the government has a hundred thousand dollars to just like of show money just to like play into the scheme, dude, like to entrap someone. Dude, how much money do they spend on this thing? <laughs> I mean, it must, it, it, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to send Christian Dawkins to prison for one year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the best part was when Christian Dawkins is like the FBI has him, right? Like he, he's like, you know, he, he's gone through the trials and everything. And he's like, you know, I put in my ATM card. Uh, it gets eaten by the ATM mm-hmm. machine. So like my, my accounts are frozen. Like he's like not playing around the FBI ha- has me. But and then he's like, but I had 90,000 cash at the house. <laughs> and that's the funniest thing in the world, because if you understand this, it's like basically Christian Dawkins knew that they were stupid. And he was just like, I'll tell them what they want to hear. But at the end of the day, like, I'm just going to keep that money and, yeah. then, and then use it properly within this business that I work in because these guys are so far off from what reality is. Well, let's pivot then because th- this is this is the crux of the doc to me. Yes. Um, and, and we should pivot to the Jeff D'Angelo part of all this because <laughs> I, think, I think the crux of the doc is, as you said, Christian Dawkins uh, was not um, – running a scheme it should not have been called the scheme the, the scheme was a horrible name for this documentary christian mm-hmm. Dawkins was not running a scheme he was just a dude that was like trying to run a little business where i don't even think like he wasn't even he was doing nothing illegal as, as he said mm-hmm. over and over and i i believe that so like the, the 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 problem with documentaries like this sometimes is like you're only hearing christian Dawkins' point of view so you have to step back and and do the thing where you're like it's a documentary um you know, you're only hearing that side. Maybe he's trying to make himself look better or whatever. But when you play, if you just go off of like the tapes of him talking to like Merle Code and, and uh, Manoush, Manoush Sud, is that his name? The, mm-hmm. the other guy, like um, he's talking to those guys and you hear him basically like laughing in the FBI's face. Like this is the dumbest thing ever. They're just giving me money. So that makes me believe that like he, he was not a part of the scheme. I, I believe like the, the entrapment part of this where like he felt like he was just kind of like going along, like not really doing anything illegal. And then they were like, Hey man, here's a bunch of money, bribe coaches. And he's like, nah, I'm not bribing shit, but I'll take your money. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, and like for us, like at the time in 2018 or whatever, we're reading these reports for the first time, you see the quote where he's like, why don't we go to the strip club and just spend right. that money properly? And you and I are like, this idiot, like what? An yeah. Idiot. What an like, idiot. Like, yeah. Who would say that? And in fact, he was so turned off at how dumb, yeah, at the Angela was that he's like, I mean, you might as well just throw your money away at this point. Like, don't you? Understand so me? I think this is what the documentary was, was to me, it was one Christian Dawkins is not a, a, a bad guy, quote unquote, even yeah. though, you know, like he was still paying guys and, and he was still willing to do like unethical things. He, he knew he was like cheating and say rules or whatever, but he's not like, you know, he's not like a mob boss. He's not whatever. And then the other part is that I thought this this whole documentary was uh, just a highlight of how bad the FBI just completely <laughs> botched this whole thing. And it starts with Jeff D'Angelo. And I think that's the saddest part about it all is that <laughs> Jeff D'Angelo was a hero to me. Uh, I wanted to believe in this man. Um, I My understanding was that he basically just fleeced the FBI himself. I thought... <laughs> <laughs> It was my understanding that this guy, like uh, him and him and Christian Dawkins, both fleeced the FBI, but Christian Dawkins got caught doing it, and Jeff D'Angelo didn't, and he just like went away somewhere to some tropical island, and he's just you know stacking cash and, and <laughs> laughing at, at and lighting cigars with hundred dollar bills. That mm-hmm. is not the case. This guy's an idiot. This guy's mm-hmm. an absolute idiot. As mm-hmm. you said, the whole the whole idea that we have your playbook uh, I, that wasn't Jeff D'Angelo that said that, but that's like the ethos of of the FBI. And and Jeff D'Angelo is the, the 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 point of that attack. The point of that spear the FBI was like trying to shove into college basketball here. Um, they they did not have the playbook. They had the very no. wrong playbook. They had the play. They had the playbook that uh, I don't. And, and to, to, to pretend like they had something like all they knew was that like the, the only thing they knew with the playbook is that sometimes players are paid to go to colleges, mm-hmm. which like no shit. Thank mm-hmm. you FBI. That's mm-hmm. like me. That's like you and I calling a press conference and being like having flowcharts like we figured it out senators are sitting on the boards <laughs> of 
massive companies in this country and then they vote laws that benefit those companies and then we have like a big circle and everyone's like oh. i was like what <laughs> we call that lobbying yeah. yeah like no shit thank you um that's that's all they knew it's like yeah we've all seen blue chips dude like what the hell do you think you're adding to this conversation but at the time we wanted to believe we wanted like it's the the southern district of new york and doing these press conferences the fbi and you're like oh my god they're they must have all sorts of stuff and they had nothing jeff d'angelo i i i'm heartbroken i'm he was my hero i'm i'm out on him he is a buffoon tate He's an absolute he, buffoon. He's an absolute buffoon because, as we saw, he was floundering, right? Like, on one of these phone calls, Christian Dawkins finally is, like, gets to the point where he's annoyed enough. And, and to give Christian Dawkins credit, from pretty much the, the time that we see him start communication with Jeff Jackson, or Jeff Jackson, Jeff, Jackson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jeff D'Angelo, and Jill, the other FBI informant, he is skeptical because he's like, what is their incentive, right? What is the gain on the other side of this? Like, I, I don't understand why they would want to just throw away money to nothing, which is 100% accurate because it's like, well, why? Like, what, what, is the, what is the end game? And then Jeff D'Angelo kept being weird and be like, I want to meet these coaches. Because if you're him and you view it from like, again, this is his case. Like, if he could get in a room with Sean Miller and Sean Miller says, like, on the, they have the tapes, you know, where they're sitting in the room or it's like Tony Bland and all those other guys. But if it's like, if Sean Miller's sitting in a room with Jeff D'Angelo, he gets that on tape, like, he's like, boom, baby, you know, like, <laughs> like, like Ocean's <laughs> 11, you know what I mean? Like, that's like his outlook on the case. And I think to me, if there's anything like you know the McMillions doc, like there was the, yeah. the one guy like that was just super excited. He's like, I just want to get in the room and like be undercover. Like <laughs> I think that's Jeff D'Angelo. Yes, you know what I mean. Like that that is the same guy, and it, and it honestly could be. I don't know that for sure. Obviously, what but, if Jeff D'Angelo doesn't actually work for the FBI? What if he just like forged his FBI involvement? Yeah. And he's just like some guy that was like, I just really want to be undercover. And I really want to try it. I think I could do it. I think I can do it. I think I'm, I think I'm perfect for this. And he, he conned the like, FBI into thinking that he worked for them. And then so, like, he got he got Christian Dawkins on the hook, and then he's calling the FBI. He's like, we got him. And they're like, who are you? And he's like, I work for you guys. And they're like, really? We don't have any we don't have any documentation of that. He's like, no, no, no. I deleted it. I'm that deep undercover. And they're like, all right, we believe you, I guess. Maybe that's what happened. Because the guy – like, there's no way this guy worked for that. If, if this is how the FBI runs every case, oh, my God, this is a disaster. This is – and because this is like – um, what's, what's the phenomenon where like you listen to a show? Um, um, I, I don't know. Like I, th what I'm thinking of is like, like John Oliver, I, I watch John mm -hmm. Oliver show and he'll, he'll do those big segments on, on just why he'll, I, we're, we're tackling the, the goat milk industry or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, and then he does like a big expose on that. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh my God, this is fascinating. But then he did one on the NCAA one time and he got like a ton of stuff wrong. So then I'm scratching my head and I'm like, is he wrong on everything? Then that's how I feel about the FBI It's like, I want to believe that the FBI is the greatest like investigative force in the mm -hmm. world and all this sort of thing. Um, but then you see how much, how wrong they are on this, how badly, like I honest to God could have done a much better job than Jeff D'Angelo did in this. Just having the knowledge of college basketball, I do. Uh, the guy, the guy had no idea what the hell he was doing. It was, it was like, of course this thing was going to blow up in their face. Mm -hmm. And it, it makes me wonder like, do they do this for every kid? Like, Oh my God, is this what the FBI is? Because woof, woof Tate. This is bad. This is well, very bad. Let me just say this. I mean, the, if the FBI is listening, because I assume that they are, we respect the Bureau. <laughs> you know what I mean? If there's anything that I learned from this documentary, it's like, you don't mess with those guys because yeah. it doesn't matter if you have anything. Like, it doesn't matter if they have anything on you. Again, let me... Christian, let me, Christian Dawkins walked into a room completely innocent going to a business meeting <laughs> and left with machine guns in his face and went to jail. Let me do it. Let me, you, you bring up a good point. Let me do what Christian Dawkins did where he was like making fun of El Chapo and then he mm -hmm. caught himself. And he's like, no disrespect to El Chapo and what they have going on. <laughs> I'm going to do the same and say, mm -hmm. having said all that, no disrespect to the FBI and what they have going on. No, because so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the front free and clear. Because I like my debit card and I like being able to use it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, don't, I do not want that to get eaten at any point. But that, that to me, like you said, it's like uh, the fact that they had this grandiose idea of what it was like i mean i think that's what went wrong here it's like they say they have the playbook but they went into it thinking that they already knew the playbook which is they thought that coach k and roy williams and sean miller and will wade and tom izzo and everybody like that all these big time programs john calipari bill self you name it they think that they are the ones that are in control of this when you and i both know that they are basically at best just trying to keep everything afloat right mm -hmm. like they have this huge 
like organization basically where they are the front man of that organization. They're getting paid $5 million, but they're also being paid $5 million to be the fall guy. If they, like if Will Wade actually takes a real misstep, right? Like where he, he does something that stirs people up, not paying players, but something else at LSU, like he's with the program, he's going to take the fall immediately. Like it's like, this is the this is the Sophie's choice. You you could say it's like you take your five million, but you know what you got to do with it, and that's kind of like <laughs> what what the deal is. And it's to manage, it's to keep all this stuff afloat, and that's why you need runners like a Christian Dawkins. And, and can I just say something about that? As someone who understands the game of mastheads and websites and titles and how that works, like I totally understood what Christian Dawkins was saying. He's like, you can call me whatever you want to call me. Like yeah. you can call me a runner, you can call me a manager, but what I was doing every single day, I'm an agent. You know yeah, what I mean? Right, in the same right. way, like you could call me an assistant, an audio assistant, you can call me whatever. I'm a producer. Like I'm, yeah, I'm, right. I do all the work. Like it just is what it is. And like so, I felt from that standpoint, Christian Dawkins, like kind of, I, I thought there was a little bit of what you said. The 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 story was his narrative, but I think like in that moment, they tried to check him. You know. Because yeah. he was like saying all this stuff, like I was doing this, I was doing that. And then they had the lawyer being like, well, I don't know. I mean, it could have been this. And like, I guess we would call that a runner. And then he's just like arguing back. Like, I thought that was great because that was the one time I was like, let's juxtapose what he's saying versus the reality of the situation. My title was uh, staff. My title was staff writer for <laughs> however many years. And uh, I had the title of staff writer for like an eight month period when I didn't write a single goddamn thing. And yeah. My my title was was staff writer. <laughs> I didn't write yeah. anything. Yeah, uh, titles are weird. Titles so titles are very weird. So, so I, I get that part. That. Yeah, yeah, I get that part. Um, so uh, Jeff D'Angelo, back to this because <laughs> my heart is broken about uh, uh about just uh, you know if if you didn't watch the thing the reason the reason the Jeff D'Angelo just to put a bow on um why he he <laughs> just blew all this he was way too eager as you said he he was way too reckless with his money uh, which. To the point that, like, it eventually ended up costing the uh, a big chunk of the case. It kind of made the case go away altogether because uh, he was spending all the money um, in Vegas gambling or whatever. But uh, even beyond that, he was like reckless, like who he was giving money to, all that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Because as as Christian Dawkins kept pointing out, like, it, it makes no financial sense to be giving out, to be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and having these yachts and like, what's in it for you? Uh, that part was stupid. But enough about that. Like, we we we, we we, you know, the, the allure is gone with this guy. I, I started finding myself like focused on, on wanting to know who he is. I need Jeff D'Angelo. Jeff, if you're listening, come on the pod. Uh, we will, I swear we will blur your face and blur your voice. But um, it, it's a huge secret. The FBI won't even say who he was. He did not go, he did not testify in any of these trials, which as they pointed out, is kind of head scratching because he's the lead detective. He, he's the guy that should be the lead witness. And he doesn't testify in any of these trials. No one has any idea who he is. I still contend that the FBI doesn't know who he is. But at the same time, uh, Christian Dawkins is telling us he's a, an Italian-looking guy in his mid-30s. Uh, he's got the Jersey Shore feel to him. Mm -hmm. um, we, we hear his voice on, on these wiretaps and in these videos, Tate. So I feel like someone out there can figure this out, right? Like, we could, we could crack this code. I, it's not going to be you or I. We're too late. I'm just going to straight out say it but like that needs to be what what dan wetzel's working on now <laughs> i mean like what are we doing dan like this is this figure out who jeff d'angelo is i will i will finance it myself um if that's what you need you, you need some money to to spearhead this operation uh we will find a way we will we will crowdsource we should start a gofundme for for jeff d'angelo journalism um figure out who jeff d'angelo is because uh, I'm i'm just absolutely fascinated and we got so many snippets that i feel like I feel like we have enough. Like, I think it was Rosillo that tweeted this like not too long, like a month ago or so. Where he's watching, anytime you're watching crime documentaries, they never blur the face or the voice enough. Mm -hmm. And you, you know that like there's a bunch of people watching, like, that's Dave. That's <laughs> how I felt with this. It's like someone has to be watching this, be like, wait, John? Or is that you? You're Jeff D'Angelo this whole time? Um, yeah. So I, I want to figure out who he is so badly. He he went missing. Like, I mean, I think that's like, they, they buried the lead a little bit in the actual documentary. I mean, obviously Christian Dawkins brings it up. He's like, I found it weird that I went to, a, I was going to that business meeting with Jeff who owns the business or is the main investor in our business. And he's not there. So he found that weird. And let's be quite honest. Like, I mean, Christian Dawkins had the D had a DEA official, a former DEA official tap into the FBI an inside source, look up these characters, confirm that they do exist right? That they're like in the system, they have credit scores, they have all that sort of stuff to say, like, this is a real person. 
So if that is, if it's that deep state of a person, you know what I mean? Like that, that we can create an identity. It can get checked by someone else who has no idea this investigation is going on. Then if you're Jeff D'Angelo and you mess up this badly, I don't know where you go. <laughs> you know what <laughs> so, I mean? Like, I, I don't know. My That's question crazy. then is why, how, how did we get here? Why did, why did the FBI care about this in the first place? Um, why, why did they take Christian Dawkins down? Why did mm-hmm. he become the fall guy? Um, my, th- what I think have is they, they, like you said, I think they thought that they were going to green light this operation because they thought that, uh, th- this whole like players being paid was being spearheaded by college basketball coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and they thought that like, th- th- that seems to be the only thing that makes sense is that's what they thought they got into it. They realized they're way off. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had to save face. And then, I think Christian Dawkins ended up being the fall guy because he flew too close to the sun and was like basically mocking the FBI. To their, I mean, they're, they're wiretapping every one of his phone calls where he's laughing about how incompetent exactly. these people are. And I think they were just, their egos were bruised and they're like, screw this kid. We have to take someone down. Mm-hmm. We're going to take down the, the 24 year old that keeps mocking us behind our backs. Um, and, and in that regard, I do think Christian Dawkins, I, I mean, he flew too close to the sun, but like, how could he have possibly known that these guys were undercover FBI agents? Uh, because I, I think if you give him a do-over, he's like, all right, maybe I shouldn't have taken, you know, when, when the FBI, when Jeff D'Angelo is giving me 15000 or 13000 whatever it is, maybe I should only put like 2000 in my pocket and then like do something else with the other money. I don't know. And not take the whole wad and just stick it in my pocket and go to strip clubs with, uh, with guys. But if he does it over again, like there's no world in which he would have thought that these guys were F, undercover FBI agents. So I don't know. I, I think that's ultimately what happened. And if he and if he doesn't take that money, like if he's honorable, like you're saying, like if he goes back in time and he's like, you know what, I'm not going to pocket this money. I'm just going to like, I don't even know, donate it or do some stuff. Well, guess what? He's in a holding cell. He has a public defender. He's going to have to get a real lawyer to go and battle a, a major legal case. And guess what? He would have no money. So the fact yeah. that the FBI also funded his defense is the most ironic thing of all time. Like the fact that they cashed, like they gave the cash flow for the guy that they are prosecuting to then defend himself. Um, like that, that in my mind, as it was working out, I was like, this just can't be reality. Like there's just no way that there, there was this much of a through line. And it's funny, like the, the scariest thing that happens, I think to Christian Dawkins in the dock is like when he's sitting in that room with the FBI, they break the news to him and he gets a call from Sean Miller. And you see, they did like the shot with the phones and it's like Sean Miller popping up on his phone and then they have a phone right there that is his phone. It's like they just basically like, you know, cloned it. And they're also getting a call from Sean Miller because, you know, in his mind, right when he saw that, he's like, they've heard all those conversations I've had with Merle Code and with all these other people being like, this guy, Jeff D'Angelo, is an idiot. Like, yeah, what? Right. <laughs> like he knows that they've heard that now, which is like what you said, like. They're listening and they're getting like, I don't care who you are. If you're a human being and you hear someone like laughing at you, mocking you, whatever it may be, you're going to feel some type of way about it. Especially a 24 year old kid who's like in like at the cool kid. He said it. He was like, I'm at the cool kids table. Right. Right. Like you can't come sit at the cool kids table because I'm the one that can talk to these guys. So if you can't sit at the table, he's also mocking you and he's also kind of rubbing it in your face and you hear it all the time. Of course they're going to go after you. And, and what was it, 200 years? They had like <laughs> For what? Again, For what? who is the victim in any of this other than us? I think you and I might be the only victim state is that we, we <laughs> thought we had content. We thought this was going to be the greatest story ever. And it kind of is, but it's like the dumbest. This, this whole thing should be um, – I feel like this should, if, this should be a movie, and it should be like a Danny McBride movie, like the uh, the – the well, he, it was the Danny McBride did the uh, the delivery driver that had the bomb around the neck thing. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. That's what this feels like. Like just the dumbest. Although that thing actually was kind of sad. I guess I shouldn't. <laughs> There's actually a victim in that. Like that's a that's a sadder story. Um, I feel like this should be a a, a documentary or not a, a, a movie made about this documentary or about this whole story. Um, documentary like, now. That's yeah, it. yeah. Documentary now. It's it's like just this is the dumbest thing. That this is not the biggest scandal in the history of sports like we thought it was going to be when it started. This is the dumbest scandal in the history of sports. And uh, that's a bummer. That's a, that's a big-time bummer. I think Christian Dawkins, as I said, I think his only sin in all of this was he flew too close to the sun. Um, but how was he ever to know that? I think that it, it should not have been called the scheme. It this should have been called Icarus instead of yeah. Icarus. I, I, every documentary should be called Icarus. Honestly. Yeah, I was gonna say, can't, can't everything be called Icarus? Like Joe Exotic, like Tiger King should just be called Icarus. It's like Joe Exotic flew too close to the sun. Yeah, idiot Icarus is like the name of Tiger King <laughs> in reality. 
<laughs> Wait, like seriously, every great that the, the jinx that's Icarus. Mm-hmm. Robert Durst <laughs> flew too high. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that is Icarus. That's Dickerus, I think. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the one you don't want. Uh, should we talk about the most juicy part of this? Like, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah. This this is the final 20, 15 to twenty minutes of the doc, and this is like, all right. So we got Christian Dawkins' story out of the way. We all understand his plight. We all understand like what kind of his role is played in this whole thing. And then we get to the fact that basically, you know, Wetzel comes back on the screen and he's like, this is supposed to be the playbook. I've written 500 million articles about the downfall of college basketball. Yet again, they have teased me. Yet again, they have lied to me. And they had the tapes of these guys, but they did not uh, find them to be permissible given the case, right? They were mm-hmm. just like, this is not permissible. Yes, it's juicy, but it's not permissible in the actual trial itself against Christian Dawkins, against Merle Code, all these other guys. Gatto, all them. So anyways, we get the tapes, and, and Sean Miller, they play the, our favorite press conference, which is, uh, you know, I, I did not know. I have never paid a player yeah. to come to Arizona on Thursdays. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, he yeah. does the whole spiel. And Christian Dawkins, like, he's the best actor I've ever seen. Uh, I, I really texted book that when it happened. You know, his assistant coach is like, I can't believe this guy, like, something else. Will Wade does the same thing. And they both say they don't know Christian Dawkins at all. And then, boom, the tapes play. <laughs> And then we get the drama. Yeah. Yes. The, uh, by the way, just Christian Dawkins' whole attitude throughout the documentary and his whole demeanor and just his how casual and loose he is with everything makes me believe like every word he says. Yes, exactly. It's, it, it works in his favor. I think like, because I think if you're trying to, if he, he, he really is not trying to take anyone else down with him, which is wild. And they, they kind of said that in the, uh, at the end, like his lawyer said like, that's kind of his legacy and all this is he had an opportunity to throw everyone under the bus and he didn't. Um, and he, that, that is kind of admirable because even when he's talking about Will Wade, he just says he's a gangster. He's like, yeah. he's, he's awesome. And there's no part <laughs> of him that's like, Will Wade's a lion, son of a bitch. Like he does, mm-hmm. he's, he was asked, do you think Sean Miller's lying? He's like, of course he's lying, but like, who cares? He even said at one point, he goes, I think all these guys are good guys for paying players. Mm-hmm. He said, I think the, the coaches that don't pay players are the bad guys. Are the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Which is, this is this is what the problem with college basketball is, like, as far as their perception. It's like, you know, they talk about Louisville, and they're like, Louisville, this is a rodeo of scandals for Louisville basketball. Is like, you know, dating back to the 70s and the 80s and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, if you really want to go down to, like, the nuts and bolts of it, every single big program has, like, one big scandal that they can point to and say, oh, I mean, North Carolina is like Frank McGuire or, or the academic stuff now. You know, it's like kansas you can go back to all these different like everyone has like a a list of violations right people sweep them on the rug no one really cares and it's just funny because we all except duke (laughs) except duke duke is the one that has zero never in the history of the program ever 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 of course we we all know that uh but it's funny like just to hear these offers and people just to be uh, uh, shocked by them and you mentioned the uh the will wade thing where they're like like sean miller is like look the guy's got a set of balls on him. You know, I yeah. mean, he's, he basically yeah. just says that because he's driving the market price up. And like, if anything, the funniest part to me of this documentary is like Christian Dawkins saying he's a G and then the cutaway to this baby faced man wearing a collar right, shirt right. buttoned <laughs> up to the top, looking like he's scared and out of his depth, depth. You know what I mean? It just being like, I never did that. Yeah. You know, right. And they're like, they're like, that guy's a G. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, Coors Light. Life today is kind of a lot. It forces us to always be on, but every now and then it's important to just stop, crack open a mountain cold Coors Light, and chill. So when you choose to turn off, choose the one beer that's made to chill. Coors Light, mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is brewed with a three-step cold process, cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, so it's actually made to chill. The Mountain Zone Coors Light's cold activated bottles and cans can turn blue when chilled to perfection. We both know this. We, we've seen the mountains turn blue. We love the mountains turning blue for us. Uh, born in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado in 1978, Coors Light is refreshing, crisp, and only 102 calories. That is right. You didn't hear that wrong. 102 calories. That's why Coors Light is the one I choose when I need a moment of chill. So when you want to reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. You can have Coors Light delivered by going to getcoorslight.com and finding local delivery Wait, options. Wait, what? You. Yes, exactly. Getcoorslight.com. You can get uh, local delivery options right near you, Mark Titus. Amazing. Fantastic. Fantastic. So. And of course, as always, remember, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. To put a bow on the whole documentary again, to pull it back out, do the big picture thing. Uh, we went into it wanting more of the Will Wade tapes, more of the Sean Miller thing. And that, that to me is this whole scandal is like, 
it's it, the documentary is perfect encapsulation of the scandal in that there was a promise or a, I don't I don't they didn't necessarily explicitly promise it but that's what I was under the the understanding of was that there was this promise of like this big juicy piece of something tapes that involve names we all know names we all care about names that like matter in college basketball and ultimately it was just like the Christian Dawkins story, which was still fascinating for guys like you and I who have been plugged into the story. But uh, I can't imagine anyone who was like, Ooh, Ooh, this is going to be good. I wonder if they're going to talk about Duke or Kentucky or is Bill Self going to be mentioned in here? Mm-hmm. What, what's going on? And then it was basically just like, I'm Christian Dawkins from Saginaw, Michigan. Nice to meet you. And it was that for two hours, which kind of is a bummer. I think, yeah, it's a definite bummer because in the sense, like what you're saying is like when they showed the Reebok picture, when Christian Dawkins is in the Reebok uh, fit and he's with his AAU team for the first time and like they show the full team picture. It's so funny because like the camera's like on the right side and it's pointing at Christian Dawkins and they pull out and then like you just see Josh Jackson right there. Yeah. And you're like, like, I want to know that story. Like, I want to know why Josh Jackson, who is on your AAU team right there, that you basically are implying that you got, like, some big recruits to stay and play on your AAU team. Like, how did that happen? You know what I mean? It's like, like, I want the full story. That's what we want. It's like, we get, like, a pinpoint here, but then you see the full story, and you're like, I want all that. Like, I want want to know all that. (laughs) We want the actual scheme. Like, that's what I think. Like, that's what America wants. It's like, you and I kind of have a general idea of how it all works. Um, and, and people that listen to the show, like if you're, if you're into college basketball enough to listen to our show, you kind of probably know a little mm-hmm. bit of how it works. Uh, but if you're, if you're making a documentary for like all of America, um, make it the scheme. Like, that's what I want to, sh- I wanted it to be Christian Doggett saying, here's how it happens. We didn't really get any of it. We got like, here is how the FBI completely botched this whole thing. And yet still sent a man to prison for a year. And I don't know. It was yeah. Not only that, they set a precedent, which I think if there's anything to like look for, like not to look forward to, but like to keep an eye on, as I like to say, in the future, it's like the precedent has been set that it is a felony charge, basically, mm-hmm. to defraud these universities. So mm-hmm. if, you know, let's say a booster takes a, a four star recruit out his junior year, you know, buys him a nice dinner, $250, whatever it is, like, and then gives him like a wink, wink. The FBI somehow has tapped into that man's phone. They record that dinner. Like you're up on the chopping block for a felony charge. And I think to me, it's, inter- I, I want to see if that's actually like what will happen as far as the pressing, because that's the pressing that, that has been set. Final thoughts, um, winners and losers R- real quick. Uh, who, who are your two or three, one, two, three, however many, who, who do you think is like a big winner out of all this? I think big winner. Big winner is the, the, the city of Saginaw, Michigan, uh, like mm-hmm. getting that hoops, like love, just be, being able to tell a story of like Saginaw basketball. And like, you know, yeah, I would honestly say like everyone from Michigan in that area, just like the state of Michigan in basketball, I thought that was a pretty good winner for them. Christian Dawkins is a winner and Christian Dawkins' mom is a winner because when he called her crying, you know, talking about like all the charges and everything, and she was just like, you better stop crying and getting there. And yeah. <laughs> like you're innocent. How about, how about Christian Dawkins dad? Uh, every, like when the first 10 minutes of the documentary, every time he'd come on the screen, he'd be gassing himself up about how he won back to back state titles and all that. And you, you'd see the mom just like turn to the camera. Like, oh, yeah, please God. stop Lou. She's like, <laughs> she's like Lou, please stop talking. He's like, I didn't make them play basketball. She's like, yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> hundred percent. Um, yeah, I think the whole Dawkins family, but obviously, I mean, the whole show was, that was the purpose of the documentary, I think, was to, mm-hmm. was to humanize the Dawkins. Uh, so it did a good job of that, I guess. Um, but as, as we know, you got to be, you got to take it with a grain of salt, which is why, like, that part of it, like, their actual testimonies, you know, I, I don't discredit everything they say, but you, you do have to consider the source. For me, the bigger thing was, like, all the wiretaps of Christian Dawkins talking to all these guys. And you kind of, like, he's, he's not faking that. He doesn't know he's being recorded. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, he just seems really likable and funny. And uh, I honestly got like found myself like we should have him on the show. And I, I originally wanted to have him on the show just for like the juicy headline of just like, yo, we had Christian Dawkins on the show yeah. and whatever. Now I want him on the show because like the dude's hilarious and be so fun to talk about basketball with him. Um, which It's not going to happen, but, uh, you know, that'd be awesome. He's, he's a big winner. I think Will Wade has to be a big winner, too. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that, like, I, I don't know. Uh, I've already kind of gone over why. But, like, Will Wade being called a gangster on HBO by mm-hmm. guys who are – he was called a gangster by, by a guy Sean, was, I mean, Sean Miller saying he has a big set of balls, I mean, on HBO. Like, Will Wade was called a gangster tape by a guy who was in prison with El Chapo. <laughs> think about that. These are, that's a fact. Uh, biggest losers. 
Jeff D'Angelo is obviously a loser. The FBI is obviously a loser. Uh, the Southern District of New York, uh, they're losers because, like, again, uh, I mean, they they came out and were like, we're going to make this thing happen. I think, uh, yeah, my big loser, Jeff D'Angelo, has to be. Um, <laughs> I, I did a complete, I did a complete 180 on Christian Dawkins and Jeff D'Angelo going into this documentary. I thought Christian Dawkins was just an idiot, and I thought Jeff D'Angelo had fleeced the FBI, and I was like, mm-hmm. that that guy is a G. Um, the, the, the exact opposite's true. Jeff D'Angelo is a moron. Uh, so he's a big loser. Also, June Kim. I got to call him out. You, you mm-hmm. said the Southern District of New York. This guy, like, I completely forgot, like, looking back, I completely forgot, like, not just having the flowcharts, but, like, walking over the flowcharts and, like, emphatically pointing at them and saying, like, we got them. And then that whole scene, I just took myself back to that day when I was watching that. It was, like, it was one of the only press conferences I ever watched. Press conferences are boring as hell, but they got me to tune in. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so good. And it was so cool to like watch how powerful he was. And I was like, this man is my hero. I'm going to have content forever from this man. Um, but then we know how everything unfolded. And then to go back and revisit that whole thing where he's pointing at flow charts, I was like, this guy, I mean, what are, what an idiot. Oh, a winner. Another winner that we need to mention is uh, Dan Wetzel. Mm. Dan Wetzel is a big winner because not only was he in the documentary, which is awesome. He, he, Famel and 40 got, got bumped to the side. The, mm-hmm. the Holy Trinity became the Holy one. The Holy ghost himself was, was just there. <laughs> um, but Dawkins says that the whole reason he got into this entire business in the first place is because he, he read a book called soul influence by Dan Wetzel. Mm-hmm. And I found that just like so poetic and perfect that he read a book by Dan Wetzel um, he said, I want to do that for a living, which is just basically work for shoe companies or bag dropping or just mm-hmm. do the business of basketball. And then it came full circle to where Dan Wetzel was reporting. He was the lead guy on the, uh, the whole journalism front with, uh, with, with this whole case. So yes, life is funny sometimes. Dave. It, it is funny, especially when like a book like that can give you like a game plan to actually enact. And it's also funny, like at, at the end, uh, his mom, Christian Dawkins' mom is reading this letter that he wrote in 2012, basically being like, here's why I'm not going to college. Here's my plan. And the plan is it, it happened exactly like he said, you know, which is pretty wild. And he's yeah. like, I am Steve jobs. I am I'm, Bill Gates. I'm I Dick am, Clark. I am Dick, <laughs> yeah, the Dick Clark was great. I was like, man, he kind of lost me early on. I was like, this is a little much. And then he said Dick Clark and he kept kind of going. I was like, I love this. He's just saying like, if you're an icon, people know your name. Like you, that's going to be me. Uh, yeah. um, so he kind of lives that out. His mom's reach. She's like, he is insane. Like this guy is insane, but it also, just shows like you said like he's a lot like he he was attuned to the whole situation he just couldn't imagine that it was like that high level of the fbi you know what i mean like yeah. he was aware of the little weird things and he just kind of was like i don't know that's a little off but also let's get this money and i i think that's the funniest part about all of this is like the the college basketball there is no playbook it, no, it's, no there is it's it's soul influenced by dan wetzel i think that's what they should <laughs> As soon as we have your playbook and just held up Dan Wetzel's book. <laughs> oh my God. Also, uh, winner, Sonny Vaccaro. How about Sonny Vaccaro? Yeah, yeah, so, some, somehow get in the doc where they're like, this is a Sonny Vaccaro. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like, these people don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Dude, that's the doc. I mean, my God, do I got to make Like, why? You and I should be producers uh, on every college basketball documentary. Like, I, yeah. I, I, this is a message to all of Hollywood. I know you're mm-hmm. listening. Um, all, all of every media company on earth, if you have an idea for college basketball, anything, or, or, high school but amateur basketball in general and you have an idea for a documentary run it by tate and i first because we'll tell you what the real documentary documentary should have been a sonny vaccaro documentary would be the greatest Mm -hmm. thing ever Tate. that would be that's exactly what this should have been it's just like screw this whole christian dawkins storyline just do it just do like a seven-part series on sonny vaccaro here you go here's your title flying too close to sonny yeah (laughs) icarus icarus (laughs) All right, Tate, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, Shout-outs, closeouts. What do you have? Well, I just want to shout-out, obviously, you know, uh, we did this whole thing on the scheme um, and, and talked about all this sort of stuff with Christian Dawkins. I just want to shout-out all the bad guys out there because, like, not everyone's going to get their own, like, personal story and narrative kind of put out to the world on HBO like Christian Dawkins got. There's a lot of people out there that are that are agents, runners. Us. Yeah, come if, to us. Like, we'll, we'll do it for help. you. Yeah, if, if you're a bad guy out there and you're like, damn, dude, how come this guy gets two hours of a documentary mm. about him and no one even knows my name? Come on our show. We'll give yes. you the time you want. Um, you can talk about all your bag dropping ways. And if your last name was D'Angelo at any point, you were you were hundred percent welcome. Please. Beverly Please. D'Angelo is the only <laughs> person I know with the last name D'Angelo. She's actually from Columbus, Ohio, Tate. Mm. We can maybe make that happen. What if 
Beverly D'Angelo's relative. What if it's her son? Is the uh, is Jeff D'Angelo? Wouldn't <laughs> that be the ultimate? Funny. The ultimate swerve would be Jeff D'Angelo mm-hmm. is his real name. That mm-hmm. would be the ultimate swerve. Is like everyone's looking for the. <laughs> That's why he's all clear. He actually has like all these other charges on yeah. another name. <laughs> Jeff Jackson. He's got all the charges on Jeff Jackson. He's like Jeff D'Angelo, completely clean. Look him up. Oh man, uh, I want to shout out Landers Nolly, who is transferring Ooh. from Virginia Tech. Um, took a big step in his transfer process today by cutting his list of schools to 11 schools, Tate. Mm-hmm. He cut it to 11. It was at, I don't know, I guess like 48, and he cut it to 11. Um, I, I'm a big fan of that. Anytime guys uh, put out graphics or put out announcements that they – if it's more than double what, – what, what are we settle on? I feel like double digits. Really, if it's like anything more than like four, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But if it's double digits, it's especially ridiculous to, to yeah. put out a list of double-digit schools. I think it was Michael Porter Jr. Or maybe I'm just going to give him credit for this, but I remember someone else, someone putting a top 25 out like early on. <laughs> and I, and I thought that was the best. It's like I'm going to rank you guys for like one to 25. I'll say it again. I'll keep saying it until it happens. <laughs> I I want before I die. I want to see a recruit that comes out and says I will commit to whoever wins the national title next mm-hmm. year. Like obviously, uh, too soon with this with this season, but um. That actually would be said that, but but just that would in general, genius. That would have been genius yeah. this year if you're like, I will commit to the yeah, team that right. wins the title, and then no one wins it, and you're like, oh, all right, yeah, who wants I'm to go, claim it? I'm Florida. going to Australia. No, you just go to Florida State. You're like, Florida yeah. State's claimed it enough. We'll just yeah. go there. That's my new school. Uh, we should also put Landers Nolly. We saw at the Maui Invitational, and he was one of those Buzz Williams kids that was like gonna transfer last year, but then didn't transfer. Weirdly mm-hmm. enough, so. It seems like a two-year process, and he's a great player, yeah. or not a great player, but a good player, serviceable guard. He's, um, you just did the Billis. You did the reverse Billis K thing where he's, like, he's not a great player. He's a good player. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I would say Landers Nolly could start on a lot of teams as a two-guard, so I think that's, yeah. a, that's a credit to him. So he, he's a big name, so that's good to know. 11 schools. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, I also want to shout out Adam Silver and just the entire NBA in general for uh, w- one point I forgot to mention with the scheme is that uh, – Christian Dawkins was asked, what's the moral of this story? And he sums it all up. He hasn't really talked about the NCAA at all throughout the entire doc. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, he's talking obviously about college basketball programs, but not like market. He's not talking about Mark Emmert or the the NCAA offices or anything. And yet when you ask him what the moral of the story is, he says, fuck the NCAA. And for that, I want to shout out the NBA because uh, it's their rule. It's their never, rule. Never, never <laughs> forget that the NBA is, if not like, if not the front lines culpable, they're guilty by association. We have to stop <laughs> with this pretending like this is the NCAA putting a gun to these kids' heads and making them come play in the NCAA. They're not. They like the system mm-hmm. is stupid. I understand that, but you could always make the argument that like the kids are signing up for it and they don't have to sign up for it. There are other alternatives. They can go to the G league. They can go overseas. And I don't know, Tate, maybe the NBA can stop restricting them from going out of high school. Maybe like this whole thing is an NBA problem. But if you ask anybody in basketball, like how did we get here? And they would say, they will say the NCAA does not play pay players. And that is not how we got here. Because if the NBA said we will allow anyone in, we'll allow 14 year olds to play in our league. Mm-hmm. then the demand of pain, like it, the, the arguments all go away. It's it's so crazy to me. So uh, shout out to the NBA because you guys got a hell of a PR team and somehow uh, everybody's just decided, screw the NCAA. It's all their fault that, that we got here. That's not the case at all. It's not the case at all. And and also, like you said, I mean, the NBA has been here before. They understand the game. It's it, Basically, they have their own training ground. Obviously, like, you know, you can go to the G League or do whatever. Or, like, uh, to put – Jay Billis actually tweeted this earlier, which I thought was pretty funny. LaMelo Ball owns the team that he plays for now in Australia. <laughs> he bought the team, uh, the NBL team, because I guess the owner who owned it before was, like, in a lot of financial trouble. LaMelo Ball and his marketing guy, I don't know who his name is, but they bought the team. So, in, in that sense, LaMelo Ball could play in college for Ohio State or North Carolina if he just owned a team in Australia and never played on it. He could still play college basketball. Yeah, oh, great so that, idea because if he owns the team he's paying himself his own sat like it's all yes, yes so he could play college basketball as an owner of a team in the nbl and be totally fine as long as he did not play professionally in the nbl so that just that that is what we're dealing with that, that is the world that we live in you know what i mean like that is that is like those are the rules so who knows who knows what's next <laughs> Thank you to the ball uh, family. That's that's fantastic. God bless. <laughs> God bless the balls. Um, anything else? Oh, uh, we have to shout out. Uh, this is this is official now. We uh, 
We have never been on television together uh, on FS1 or Fox Sports. Mm-hmm. We've never been on Fox Sports Which is the together. only television that matters. Yeah, exactly. We've never been on FS1 together. And it is official. Uh, our Fox Sports team, uh, they are going to put together an ultimate fan bracket because they feel so bad that we did not have a March Madness experience. They basically, we, we figured out a way to get 68 teams, a full field, and we are going to do a fan bracket, uh, the ultimate fan bracket. And it's going to be on TV, right, Mark Titus? Is this it's going to be on TV. We're doing it on FS1 on Saturday at uh, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. We call that Pacific primetime. Mm. Um, uh, we, we will be on <laughs> FS1 doing the selection show for this thing. And the premise is basically, as Tate said, we are out to find the the best fan base in college basketball it is a vote it is left up to a vote um and we we are doing the selection we have we have a bracket it's a 68 team bracket we have playing games and everything it's going to be it's going to mimic march madness um and it's it all comes down to fan votes we're excited about it because uh uh you know like you said there's no march madness but this is a great way to get everybody involved in in voting for this and i i think there are going to be some surprises i don't think it's going to be a case of the blue bloods just marching to victory. I think it's going to be like, like I'm going to say it now. I'm going to get it, get ahead of this. I think Iowa is going to turn out. If, mm-hmm. if you've been paying any attention to the internet, Iowa fans drove me off Twitter. Um, that's, why, <laughs> that's why I haven't been on Twitter since mm-hmm. the quarantine started. Cause I was sick of dealing with people telling me Luca Garza should be national player of the year. Mm-hmm. I feel like Iowa is going to uh, have a great showing. For example, uh, Syracuse Tate. Did you see the Syracuse mm-hmm. fans? The ACC Network, I believe it was ACC Network, right? Yes, they did um, this. Yeah, the bracket of the best ACC players. The best ACC players of all time. Syracuse mm-hmm. fans basically rigged the vote, for lack of a better term. It wasn't rigged. It was all It was all on the up and up. It was just they decided we're going to hijack this thing and make it our own. And then they made the Final Four be four Syracuse players that never played in the uh, ACC ever. <laughs> so... Schools like that, I think, are going to turn out for this. Um, but no, we're excited about it. We're going to do the selection show on Saturday at, uh, yeah, 11 Eastern, 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific, Fox Sports 1. Uh, that's that's pretty much it. Tune in for it. It's going to be – it's not as straightforward as it sounds. I know you're thinking, like, we're just going to throw a bracket out there and then people just vote on Twitter and that's it. There's going to be more to it than that, and uh, it'll make more sense later. Yeah, and we, we should also point out, like, college basketball is the only place is in the world of sports fandom, maybe the NFL, you can point to where it's like – I know what an Iowa fan is. You know what I mean? I know who yeah. like like and, and you can ha- you can identify the, these fans of these schools and they they use it as a part of their identity and everyone's so tethered to their programs. Like we want to have people come on, uh, represent their programs, and we're going to talk about it because again, there is no actual tournament, but we're going to put a banner up for the best fan base because that's really all that people care about in college basketball. Like we, we've heard it a million times when we talk about the paying of the players. People are like, I don't care who's wearing number forty two. I just want to pull for Duke. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like. That's not necessarily true, but let's see it. Let's see if that's actually true, and let's see if you vote. The other thing I thought of, dude, is uh, you don't have to. You don't have. It, this isn't like the the primaries of a uh, um, you know of a, a presidential election where you have to register for a party to then be able mm-hmm. to vote mm-hmm. on this. So what I'm saying is like, if Kentucky is going up against anybody, uh, uh, Wichita State, say, um, mm-hmm. you don't have to be a Kentucky or Wichita State fan to vote on this, no. which is to say. I actually think weirdly like the blue buds might be at a disadvantage because the rest of America is going to rally together to vote against Kentucky, against mm-hmm. Duke, against North Carolina. <laughs> um, so it's going to be interesting. I have no idea what the hell is going to happen, but I just thought about that. That like your, your first thought is like, Oh, Kentucky fans might win this because big blue nation is crazy. And, and they show out and there's more of them than there are basically, you know, the fan base, but man, people really hate Kentucky at the same time. So I can see, I can see a lot of people like having no vested interest in the, the matchup of Kentucky. It's just basically we're voting against Kentucky. So I don't know. It'll be fascinating. It'll be fascinating. And also we want to point out, this is objective. This is like a lot of people in our program. They think I have an ACC bias, a Carolina bias, mm-hmm. and I do. And I'm not afraid to say it. And they say that, you know, same thing for big 10 and Ohio state. But at the end of the day, this is objective. We have no say in this. All we care about is seeing who is hated the most and who is loved the most. Yeah. And then that, well, out. So we're going to do the selection show. It's going to be just like the CBS selection show where uh, they have Clark Kellogg and Seth Davis on that thing. Clark Kellogg's mm-hmm. a Buckeye Tate mm-hmm. and Seth Davis is a big Duke fan, just like you. So in that way, it's uh, a yeah, exactly. very, very similar. Honestly, the reason that I almost quit sports media was because someone called me the Seth Davis of North Carolina. And uh, <laughs> that was the day that I was like, you know what, this might be uh, this might be it for me. So uh, I appreciate that. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, check us out. We're the 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 Fox contract is paying off. They're putting us on TV. Mm-hmm. All it took was a global pandemic to make it happen. But <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Mm-hmm. The Duffelback Boys will be on Fox Sports One.
at 11 Eastern on Saturday, 8 p.m. Pacific. Check us out for the uh, the ultimate fan bracket thing um, selection show. We're gonna we're gonna do that. Uh, all right, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back. Uh, we'll see you on Saturday for the show, and uh, we'll be back on Tuesday for the podcast. Be safe, everyone.